0: My name's Clementine, by the way. I'm Joel. Hi, Joel. No jokes about my name.
1: Oh, you mean like, oh my darling, oh my darling, oh my darling Clementine. I'm a vindictive little bitch, truth be told. And welcome to the Cinema Psych podcast. The podcast where psychology meets film. I am your host, Dr. Alex Swan. And today we're going to get a little bit goofy. And we're going to get into the mind of Charlie Kaufman and Jim Carrey. And we're going to explore the 2004... Smash hit, uh, liked by lots and lots of folks, critics, audiences alike. Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. So as I said, uh, it was written by Charlie Kaufman, one of his uh, um, more uh, uh, goofier movies, but I think with a uh, uh, an interesting premise and message. Directed by Michael Gondry. Uh, I don't know who that is, actually. So uh, my apologies to uh, any Gondry lovers over here. Starring uh, Jim Carrey, as I said, uh, the title character of Joel Barish. Kate Winslet plays Clementine uh, Krasinski, I think is how you say her last name. I mean, it's not super important, to be honest with you. But uh, Kate Winslet, uh, she plays an American, which is uh, interesting. Elijah Wood plays Patrick Mark Ruffalo plays a guy named Stan. Kirsten Dunst plays Mary. And uh, Tom Wilkinson plays uh, Howard uh, Mirzbiak. I don't know if I got that one right either. Uh, But uh, the film explores a relationship between Jim Carrey's character Joel and Kate Winslet's character Clementine. And most of the film, if not all of the film, Uh, It's a little ambiguous takes place in the mind of Joel.
0: There are going to be some spoilers ahead Uh,
1: as he seeks to erase the relationship that he had with Kate Winslet's Clementine from his memory. I think this is going to be a fun discussion of how memory has uh, has been portrayed Uh, The messages and the symbolism of the quote used in the film that the title comes from. It's just there's a there's a lot to unpack in this film. And uh, let's get to it. My guest host today is Dr. Jordan Waggy. Jordan is an associate professor of psychology at Avila University in Kansas City Oh, they won last night. Uh, where she runs a research lab studying food cognition and meta science. She teaches mostly research methods and statistics courses. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank
2: you so much for having me and for uh telling me who won the game last night.
1: You're welcome. Yes. Uh, as of recording, uh the Chiefs did win their uh the season opener yesterday. They never score first,
2: uh, but they usually win.
1: Yeah, yeah. annoyingly. I'm happy that you are here. Uh, We've been talking about it for a little while. Um, And so, but before we jump into discussing the film, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on film in general, as I do all of my guests. Um, And so if you use film in your classes, why, why would, why do you go down that route?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, And I, like, I'm going to riff a little bit here, but like, um, I, I've. I got really interested in, in film um, when I took a couple classes as an undergrad uh, from a philosophy professor that was really into film, and um, and so that carried on um, into it, like into my career, like into the classes I taught for a while, and mm-hmm. like I've used clips and stuff and things, but I think like probably the um like the best example of using second film is like I co taught a psycho film class with a filmmaker and that's awesome yeah it was a really cool class but i think like most people were expecting that it would be approached from like the how does film like portray psychological processes like Mm -hmm. maybe we would watch like the experimenter or we would watch Mm -hmm. like something about freud or something like that um Mm -hmm. but i was really interested in it from the perspective of like the cognitive how cognitive processes interact with like film um and so for example like one of the films that we okay. showed in there was an experimental film where the director took like a photograph and I don't even remember what the photograph was I think it I think it was like a woman smoking a cigarette or something like that mm-hmm. um but took took one photo and then like redeveloped it and overlaid it like over and over and over again so you start out with this like distortion of this photograph and mm-hmm. it slowly changes into the picture of the woman smoking the cigarette and um what I really liked about it was that it could demonstrate so many of these topics that I think are really fascinating, like pattern seeking. So Mm -hmm. when you're just presented with a bunch of random noise and you're like I I need to try to make sense of this and you keep like forming these hypotheses about what you are looking at and testing those hypotheses and then like at one point I was pretty sure I saw a house and so everything (laughs) I saw after that I was like okay, this is a house. So it's like confirmation bias and all that stuff too. Yeah. Um, But we would talk about things like what sorts of feelings, different camera angles would elicit, like Im- mm-hmm. implicitly? Um, what like Dutch angles? I don't even know what that is, but sure. Um, that's like
1: a it's like a sideways angle, and it's supposed to represent like reality is askew somewhat.
2: Ooh, that's deep. Yeah. Um, no, even just like for like first, like first person types of views versus I don't know. I'm oh, sure uh-huh. there's a name for that, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, or like the fact that we need continuity experts and things because people don't notice changes from uh-huh. scene to scene. So we talked about yeah change blindness, and we did a demo of that in that's there. Right, yeah, yeah,
1: awesome. So you know, it, you, you got to keep the IMDb uh, goofs writers employed, right? Yeah, totally. That's that's a really cool take on a uh, psycho film class. Uh, I don't think I would ever have come up like come to that as like a, a pedagogical strategy but that's that's really cool
2: yeah the, um, and it
1: helped to have a filmmaker who could explain like the 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 making aspect that's awesome yeah I want to take this class yeah it was teach really, me now he, Jordan well he
2: he's you know he, we only taught it together that one time and then he retired but probably Ugh. probably because of me Um. well but I don't think I don't think most of the students who took the class were expecting it to be like that I think most of them were like
1: Mm-hmm. Um, like what this podcast is like we're kind just of. talking about portrayal of stuff yeah
2: yeah so and I don't even know if my co-instructor really like I think he, I think he kind of did both both takes on like he thought the psychology piece was going to be a little different too because he like it was his night to lecture <laughs> and he brought in this um Jeff Bridges movie where this guy survives a plane crash and then like the whole thing is about I don't know He goes to group.
1: I I can't pick up that the. I don't know what movie you're talking about, but like surviving trauma. Yeah, they they had like a group
2: therapy thing, and there was like a whatever. Um, (laughs) I think Rosie Perez is in it.
1: Oh, that's this is this is a real old one.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I'm probably gonna have to Google it, but um,
1: okay. Well, uh, if if uh, somebody listening would let us know on Facebook (laughs) or Twitter. What movie that is. But we watched the that'd whole that'd be great.
2: We watched the whole thing and then after the class break he was like, So, you know, Dr. Waggy, what what's your take on this? And I'm like, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm not a clinical psychologist. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Three stars. It's great. Yeah. It sounds like it's what you should do when you survive a plane crash. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that was all like that was our student's favorite night in the whole class.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh yeah. If I think <laughs> I, I don't know what this avant-garde stuff is what they're doing. I don't yeah. like why is why is she showing us a bunch of random pictures?
2: Yeah. That one wasn't uh, how, my choice.
1: How long ago was uh how long ago did you teach this class? Oh,
2: I think this was like 2011.
1: Okay. All right. I don't think student population has changed too too terribly much in the, like the last 10 years, but like when I told my students we were going to be watching Rashomon last year, um, I got a lot of um, uh, grimaces when I said it was in one black and white and two it was going to be um in Japanese, so they were going to have to read subtitles. <laughs> they were like, "Oh, uh, really?" Uh, I'm like, but it's like it's film history. Get on board with the film history, so I I can see why they. They were like, um, this experimental thing is weird.
2: Yeah. I don't think most of the stuff, like I could dig up the syllabus and like, I don't think most of the stuff was like that, but
1: Uh, it just. That's just what sticks out in your mind. Hey, memory. That's something we're going to talk about. I think
2: we actually did watch Memento.
1: Okay. Um, That's really, uh, and that's, uh, uh, that's a good one to like compare to this, to this, uh, movie, Eternal Sunshine um memory of course but then also the filmmaking aspect is disjointed yeah. and, and backwards and it's like how do i follow that uh how do i follow the narrative thread that kind of thing mm-hmm. okay yeah very cool if you find that syllabus um please send it my way
2: oh i'm sure i have it somewhere
1: okay very cool i mean on 2011 is like ancient history in computer terms right
2: yeah no but i always back up like all my stuff because i don't like to reinvent the wheel. And I'm, I'm like, I'm always thinking someday I might teach this again. Um,
1: Find another filmmaker. Yeah. In in the KCMO area. Yeah. Yeah. I could dig it. There are so many of them in that area, right? There are.
2: There actually are. There's, it's a big, it's a big area for film. Okay. Well, actually,
1: Alex. <laughs> okay. You are wearing glasses. <laughs> you could have done it. <laughs> All right, let's pivot to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, So, uh, we were talking a couple of months ago about uh, films to chat about, and um, I suggested Eternal Sunshine. And I I think it's, um, I think I suggested it about the same time that I was putting together my COG class syllabus. And, um, or my, excuse me, my memory class syllabus (laughs) and, um, which is, yeah, it was a meta, meta joke there for everyone. Um, (laughs) and, uh, I, I used it the last time I taught it and I think I was like, you know what? I think I want to do a podcast episode of this before they watch it and so i suggested it and um you agreed but uh, in our notes document here i sense a little mixed feelings about it could you elaborate on that
2: yeah i just i i guess i didn't realize how well received this movie was i went back and looked at like the wikipedia entry for it later and i was like oh my god it won oscars like
1: mhm mm-hmm. um, yeah audience and critics loved it
2: i and normally if i'm like kind of feeling kind of like eh about a movie and critics love it i'm like oh that's terrible um (laughs) just to like provide some balance in the universe i don't you know i think it's interesting i think it's a thinker there's some like there's something very specific about how men write women
0: Mm
1: -hmm.
2: that drives me crazy and this Mm -hmm. this movie had it all over the place with um clementine and with Uh, what's her face mary mary yeah yeah um it just she was
1: very one-dimensional
2: yes yes yeah so much and um even like the patrick character is like well he's more interesting than 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 clementine almost um i i mean okay so and i know that this movie kind of like called calls out the manic pixie dream girl but then doesn't do anything mm-hmm. about it right isn't mm-hmm. it's like this yeah. is ex- this is textbook manic pixie dream girl and like right why why does joel gets to be like this like this like super boring like
1: mm-hmm. nothing
2: interesting kind of guy i mean a little bit like he had a huckleberry hound doll right cool all right cool
1: story i don't know how that's cool but okay
2: i mean he's just not interesting right and that's part of no the he's thing. not
1: and i think yeah part of his character is um that he has a lot of he has a lot of women issues um especially root, rooted with his mother um in that one scene when he's trying to take clementine into his memories of his mother and like she replaces his mother's friend mm-hmm. and he says the phrase um she's not looking at me she never looks at me And he's sitting there underneath the table playing with his yo yo, um, yeah. It's a, it's uh, but he's not given much more development than that because the rest of it is him just like trying to latch on to the memories that are being erased. And so there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of character growth from that one scene. You got like, oh yeah, he's. He's got some mom issues and maybe that has led to his um his uh, adult relationship issues. But you're not given really much after that. Yeah, cuz And it's, you're right. It's they clear. don't do anything with they don't do anything with Clementine. Well, and her hair color.
2: Well, and, and that's like I guess why did she need to be that way? Like, why did she need to have an alcohol problem? Mm -hmm. Why did she need to Mm -hmm. snap at him and belittle him? Like Mm -hmm. you could have had like any, you could have had any type of female character in that role. And it still would have been an interesting story. So why do you need the manic pixie dream girl?
1: Right. I agree. In, and, and and I think um, Charlie Kaufman used those tropes to, uh, sort of tell or sorry show uh, that Clementine is impulsive but not I mean you could show impulsivity in lots of different ways right um, and yeah so I have I, I definitely have mixed feelings about Clementine's character uh, I do love this movie mm-hmm. for its message um, and its portrayal of memory mm-hmm. in in all of the wrong ways but uh yeah. What do you I, think I the what message
2: is? Like, what, if you to summarize it in just, like, 10 words or fewer, what is the message?
1: 10 words or fewer? No, this is my podcast. Um... <laughs> 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 um uh, in 10 words or fewer, uh, uh well, I was going to bring this up a little bit later, but since we just jumped right into it, the message, uh, the message is clear to me that, um... If this were a real thing, you can't just erase people from your memories and think that your life will be better because just like Inside Out said what uh almost about a decade later like memories also need to be sad too. You can't just have happy memories. Uh you can't just have uh, uh it, it the Alexander Pope quote, the Pope Alexander quote um, (laughs) that Mary recites in the film that where the title comes from, you know, is the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. Amazing. Why? It's just a fancy way of saying that one, by the way. Uh, Of course, ignorance is bliss. You don't have to think about anything. But, you know, life doesn't work like that. Right. Sorry, that that wasn't not ten words. No, that
2: was that was like at least thirteen. <laughs> we
1: have It was like uh uh yeah. I did uh you did uh, addition fingers today, didn't you? I did, you did, yeah. Math fingers. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was at least 20 if I include my toes.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> there is a crack
2: in everything, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh so I mean that's that's what I think the message is. What, what do you think the message is?
2: I don't know. I'm still kind of thinking about it. And I guess like I do like movies that can make me think about it a week later. Um yeah. and that can create kind of like a mood. I just I don't know that I love the like the mood that Charlie Kaufman movies gives me makes me so anxious. Like
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, have you seen Adaptation? Like I haven't seen adaptation. that's the most Oh my god, that's the most anxious anxiety invoking film of all time and it's from his own mind about his own life and it's just like oh my god what I don't want to be in your mind anymore yeah no being so, John Malkovich yeah. like
2: it's a great movie and being but John exactly it, it, like I get I... itchy I can't like I get, I get I'm get. i getting <laughs> yeah. itchy just like talking about it but I think that that's kind of like part of what the goal was it's just um mm-hmm. I don't it's like not that kind of stuff isn't like an experience that like I think I seek out anymore just because so much of the rest of my life is like it's like uncertain especially right now mm-hmm. of like yeah it's the weirdest thing's like when I started having kids I couldn't watch zombie movies anymore and for mm. zombie TV shows and I used to love mm-hmm. that stuff but it's like I think the uncertainty I have in my everyday life just makes it like when I watch a movie that's like a thriller or like something is ambiguous or there's like I don't know, whatever, it's just, it just doesn't sit right with me, and it just, like, makes me really uncomfortable. Um, yeah, yeah, So I, I okay. can dig that. So, Ted, that was my ten words or fewer, but I think, um... <laughs> so, I know, like, the memory piece is supposed to be the message of the movie, and it... I, I mean, yeah, I, I think I agree with you on that, of, like, you can't you can't just have it one way you can't like one of the things i thought about when i saw it immediately was like as soon as they did as soon as they did that thing where um what's his face i'm really bad about doing that i call my kids what's his face too so howard mm-hmm. um when howard Doctor, yeah. yeah when when they when we find out that mary has had her memory wiped before
1: mm-hmm. I,
2: immediately and i don't know why i jumped to this i don't know if there's any evidence for it but immediately i was like okay Joel and Clementine have done this more than once. There's definitely oh, yeah. like a loop where they like kept getting their memories wiped. Um mm-hmm. okay. I thought I okay, I because I'm like, I went looking yeah. for that. I like even Googled. I'm like, did Joel and Clementine get their memories wiped more than once? And like I couldn't find this on any like Reddit theory threads or anything. I'm like
1: That's interesting. I watched one YouTube video and it told in it and they said it. Ah. I mean, it's YouTube, right? It's YouTube University. Um But here's the clue that the guy used in the video for this looping um, part of the narrative. Uh, Well, there is actually two clues. One, uh, meet me in Montauk. Uh, Clementine tells Joel to meet me in Montauk. And that's one like clear pinpoint. Like, you know, if you want to take it down to a single neuron fire like montauk 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 right and so the beginning of the movie he's on a train they're on trains to montauk um they meet in montauk and um the second part of that clue is that there are three instances in the film when they are running on the beach in montauk the same exact scene
2: oh okay and i so i knew they've gone
1: through yeah they've gone through it multiple times yeah
2: I knew the last scene was kind of ambiguous of like, was this, you know, before they got their memories wiped or after, Mm -hmm. but, um, oof. But then there was stuff in his journal from before two years prior to that. And so like the the naysayer in me was like, oh, okay, well that stuff would have been gone because he would have had to bring that stuff in.
1: I mean that's fair. I, I, I don't know if I necessarily buy in buy into the the full loop. Maybe this would be their second time if I were to buy into the loop argument mm-hmm. that they've done this more than once. I think maybe then just one more time more than once. Yeah. Is what is what I w- is what I would say. The other clue that kind of speaks to what you're saying about them doing it, not maybe not doing it more than once, is that um, Patrick and um, I guess his name is Frank, Mark Ruffalo's character. Stan, Stan sorry. Go so close, uh, though. You, f- yeah, Frank and Stan. uh, <laughs> uh Ooh, they Frank don't and seem- Stan. Frank
2: and Stan, yeah! What? Uh,
1: so good. <laughs> um, They don't seem to know who he is. Uh, But it's also most of the movie is taking place in Joel's mind. So maybe it's that Joel doesn't know who they are. So it's I I mentioned at the top of the show that most of the film takes place in his mind and and most of it is ambiguous as to what it is. And I did want to mention that in relation to the manic pixie dream girl that um, we are seeing Clementine through Joel's eyes. His his brain, but you know what I mean. Um, the experiences they have together are all from Joel's perspective.
2: Not so but not all of them though, right? Like the stuff on the train.
1: We don't know if that's a memory or not.
2: Oh, that's a good point. Okay, so here was the clue for me. (laughs) Um and this was at the very end where she's like this where they decide to like give it a go with each other or or whatever, Mm -hmm. like like this is what I do. I get into relationships, I get bored, um, Mm -hmm. and I, whatever, and, like, that would make sense to me, because we don't ever hear about any of her other relationships besides Patrick, right? Like, I I think she's talking about Joel multiple times, of, like, this is what I do, and, like, on some level, she knows that she's done it, but she doesn't know who it was with, Mm -hmm. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's also, uh, that's also a good clue. I'm, and I'm glad you looked that up. Um, if you type in, um, oh, what was my search term in YouTube? If you go to YouTube and you type in like uh, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind brain scan, um, you may get some search results that are just talking like our like, exploratory analyses videos of people who are like, yeah this and that and the symbolism and all of that stuff mm, symbolism mm-hmm symbolism um and and sort of in line with what you were saying uh with the with the um film class that you did um uh, and the like angles of things uh the the color palette of the vast majority of the movie is dark and gloomy yeah it's very it's very blue um with gray undertones and uh it, that goes back to what i was saying about you know you can't have just happy memories you have to have gloomy memories and you know we're in joel's mind and these are all gloomy memories memories that are being erased
2: except for the sweater and the hair and the sweater yeah. he loved but then he hated
1: Mm-hmm. so yes exactly just like memory yeah, I- right mm-hmm. mm-hmm yeah yeah uh the the small details that stick in your mind right um mm-hmm. uh, and i i i'd written this down in our notes and and for the viewers who may not be familiar with the narrative structure it's a very nonlinear narrative structure um and uh, because most of this stuff takes place in Joel's mind it seems like we're going backwards in time in their relationship uh because the memory procedure which i will play the scene here for everyone comfortable
0: what we're doing here mr bearish is actually creating a map of your brain okay let's get started if we want to get this procedure underway tonight we have some work to do i want you to react to these objects mr bearish if you will There's a good story behind this. Um, you like know, actually, Mr. Bearish, I'll get a much better emotional readout if you uh, refrain from any sort of verbal uh, description of the items. Just please try to focus on the memories. Oh, sorry. Okay. Healthy activity up yeah, there. Healthy mm-hmm. readouts. Mm-hmm. Very good. Here's another object.
1: So... Next item.
0: Okay Potato Head. <laughs> Next item. Hey. Just, just focus on the memories. Patrick, do yeah. me a favor. Hey, Patrick, do me a favor, Will. You? Yeah. Can you uh, check the voltage regulator? Uh, what do we got there? The voltage looks fine. Really? Well, I'm not wiping as clean as I like here. I'm just... Check the, uh, check the connections, please. Oh, there you are. Why am I... I don't understand what I'm looking at. Why am I standing here and... Oh my god, deja vu. Deja vu. This is so... I think we get started if we want to get the procedure on the way. There's some work to do i mean, my hair already, hard. I suppose so. Uh, this, this is about right. This is what it. This is what it would look like. Very good. We'll dispose of these mementos when we're done here. That way, you won't be confused later by their unexplainable presence in your home. Ah, there we go, Patrick. Yeah. Why are there so many wires? Does that help? Are you sure you set that thing on the that? How's that? Oh, I How are you today, Mr. Barry. There we are, Mr. Barron. All right, that's better. Barrett. Barrett. I don't
2: know if I like this. I can like, try this, though. We're almost done now. It's a journal. That would be invaluable. I met night, one tonight. I met someone tonight. Oh, I don't know what to Christ. do. Her name is Clementine, and she's
0: amazing. I don't know her name Clementine. Ah!
1: Whoa, Jesus! Ah. Come, yeah. come on, come on, careful!
0: Come on, come on. step back. Just take it easy. That's fine.
2: That's
0: fine. Roach the guy. All right, we got that one. This place is sort of a dump, don't you think? It's
1: an apartment. Uh, is like sort of glossed over. It's like we map your brain. <laughs> Let's take it quick second brain scan with like super amazing technology. And then we pinpoint those memories based on items that you have as if memories are only item based. That's, that's my first knock against it. Um, and the assignment that I usually have with this film is that I'm like, okay, tell me all the stuff that they got get wrong with representation of memory. So that's the first knock is that like, memory is only object oriented, which is clearly, clearly not true. Um, and then they like map different things. And I, I gotta say, uh, who, whoever the, the set director was or the set designer if had Charlie Kaufman's input, or this was the Dondry or Gondry or whatever his director's name is. Some no name. I've never heard of this person. Um, had for the specific set of equipment used for the in-home erasure looks so nineteen eighties for something that is supposed to be like set in the near future. If you can do this to somebody, like what the hell? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna erase your memories on an old CRT TV.
2: I think that's part of it, though. I think part of it is like the just the total sh- like shabbiness of the backroom ops- operation the like unprofessionalism of the people who work there yeah of like um i mean i guess when i first thought of it it was like wow like these these people must really want to wipe their memories if they are willing to like just be blind to every single red flag in the book that this is just not this is not a good thing like they drive up in one of those vans like they tail him right
1: yeah yeah and it's it's like unmarked and it's a big old Uh van yeah and uh it reminds me of uh the dr nick character from the simpsons like he's uh you know doing all these really bad like medical procedures and they're just like yeah come to Lacona or Lacuna or whatever the name is and get your memory wiped
2: the office
1: looks nice but then we go to your home and do it
2: I thought the office looked kind of shabby I mean it was like it was messy it's disorganized There, was like tiny there are people like oh I don't remember it jumping like Stan like jumps out at Mary at one point like Stan Stan is supposed to be like this amazing technician he's like 19 years old. Patrick looks like he's 12. Um, (laughs) Yeah,
1: Patrick looks like with those those. I used to have those sideburns, by the way. Did you have all the way? No, I didn't have that. But I had sideburns that went all the way down to my jawline like Patrick in the movie, like Elijah Wood has in the movie. I mean,
2: it was like and this was okay. This was the other thing that this is
1: 2004. It's so Elijah Wood and I were like we're bros at the time. Yeah. Were you really? No.
2: Can I just give like a hot take on the movie? yeah um when i saw it was filmed in 2004 or whatever i was like oh okay cool that's not that long ago and then i'm like the dude's got a tape player in his car like i'm like what are you doing answering a home phone what's a home phone Mm -hmm. what on earth is is that they none of them had cell phones Mm -mm. anyway um it just felt like it might as well have been 70 years ago
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like Business cards and stuff like that. Yeah. Who gives out business cards yeah. these days? Yeah. I got a huge when I when I started at, at Eureka, I got like a huge box of business cards. Have I given a single one out? Nope.
2: Yeah. I let my kids fold them into origami stuff. They hold up pretty well for that.
1: <laughs> so knock number was it? What am I on? That was, Three? Oh, I don't know. Was that knock number two or number three? I don't I don't remember. Um so Stan, uh or is it Frankenstein, um, <laughs> in Joel's uh um, apartment, I'm gonna play that scene too, because I really love that scene where it's like Joel realizes that he is currently getting his memory wiped, and of course he has to get the memory of being at Lacuna uh wiped. So it's really good. It's a really good scene. Um, but they're like. Almost breaking his brain. And if they're doing this a bunch of times, like if it's real that they've done this a bunch of times, how are these people don't have how do, how do these people don't have brain damage?
2: Yeah, how do I, they don't have brain damage. I mean, and that's, you know, Howard says that whether it's Howard through Joel's memory, but he says like. This is type of brain damage we're getting right Isn't yeah i that, guess that's that true in that movie yeah. he's like yes technically this is brain damage but <laughs> um it's nothing different than a hard night hard night of drinking and that line made me go like oh god
1: that i mean super uh probably true um but here's where it's not a hard night of drinking a hard night of drinking will only get rid of the memories from that night if you get to the blackout stage of drunkness, uh, it's not going to get rid of years of or months of 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 a single entity like it's impossible. We know we you and me, we know uh, because we do all of this memory research, we know that that. Uh, it, memory doesn't work like that it gets distributed long term memory gets distributed all over the cortex there's no way you're going to find all the little bits which is why the meet me at montauk i think is um uh impactful once you know that i think that meet me in, at montauk and why that why that is my major clue for them going in these loops Yeah, um, that's super because interesting because they they can't they can't get, they can't get rid of that one because they they all they they both feel this pull to montauk and they don't know why who would ever want to go to montauk
2: uh, yeah and on february 14th let's go let's go to montauk on valentine's mm-hmm. day and walk around on right. the beach when it's like super cold
1: mhm yeah that sounds awful
2: it sounds kind of awful in like june <laughs> I had to look up where it was, and it's like, because I kind of wanted to get a context of, like, how long they were on the train together and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And, like, Rockville Center to Montauk is, like, Rockville Center is, I think, pretty close to Brooklyn. It might be in Brooklyn, and then, or on Long Island, but, like, on one end, and then Montauk is on the very, very far, far eastern tip of of Mm -hmm. Long Island. Like, it's pretty far away, but it's, I'm sure, was super cold and gross.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're surra- Montauk's surrounded by all the water, right? the Sound and the Atlantic Ocean. Um, in February, that that just sounds very unpleasant. And why there were so few people on the train, I suppose. Uh which which, by the way, would lead to Clementine, you know, in the way that her character has been had been, you know quote unquote developed through the movie why she would go up to just a rando and be like hi my name's Clementine no jokes about my name
2: <laughs> but but if it was part of his memory like he might not remember anybody else being on the train anyway right because that's the thing that's true. Of like, yeah. it could have mm-hmm. been a packed train Um, it could have been a packed restaurant when he was <laughs> in the restaurant you know it looked like there was nobody yeah. else there but she, if she was the only thing he saw and only thing he remembered like that's one of those myths of memory that people think they can go back into their memory and see things they didn't hadn't observed before. Yeah. Um, I don't really want to give Charlie Kaufman that much credit, but I like, there are some things about memory that I think they nail. Okay. So that was the third one.
1: Yeah. Um, and that was my, that was my third knock Mm -hmm. thing. The one thing that I think they, they do well is what you just You, 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 um, you hit it right at nail on the head is that, uh when we know we are in Joel's memory uh things are distorted in the way that research suggests things would be distorted when we recall memories um and i was just going over this today in memory i was talking about bartlett's war of the ghosts and how when you bring stuff back to mind it changes you see it through your own lens um and it was actually perfect too because uh, we' were recording this on on September 11th and uh, so I used that to then pivot to uh, a quick uh, just a really brief uh note about m- my experience on that day um in 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 Los Angeles and how I had seen the second plane hit the building live, which was very impactful but, only later when I would when I would recollect it. But I said when I when I recall it, it changes every time I think about that, it changes. Um, and even even though I would like to say that the memory is flashbulb and it and it and it's doesn't change. The fact of the matter is, is it does every single time. Um, and I think that's what they nail in the in the movie.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, especially the w- one scene where Joel's like it's all falling apart and then this like he's trying to he's telling her to get back into his car or whatever she's, she's walking down the street and a car just randomly falls out of the sky and lands and it's just like well that's obviously not real of course but it's like his his whole memory of the situation is just degrading to the point that he only he myopically only sees his argument from the car with Clementine
2: Clem, let me drive you home.
1: Get out of my face, faggot! Look at it out here. It's all falling apart.
2: I'm erasing you
0: and I'm happy. You did it to me first. I can't believe you did this to me. Clem, can you hear me? By morning you'll be gone. The perfect ending to this piece
1: of shit story. Is there something wrong with a girl being attracted to me? Is that a problem? No, I think it's, it's funny. So who do you think's better looking?
0: Me here this guy. Let's both buddy. Remember that girl we did last week?
1: The one with the potatoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that girl? Yeah, that's
0: this guy's girl. Friend. Yeah. Was. <laughs> Take care of that.
1: Oh. Well, uh. I kind of fell in love with her that night. <laughs> what? <laughs> you little fuck. What? She was unconscious, I thought that man. was pretty good. We I can give, I, I suppose we can give Charlie Kaufman that, that credit. Um, maybe because he thought of it from his, like he he was thinking of a, a, a how he personally remembered stuff. I don't know.
2: No, I, okay. So, I mean, this was a point, I think that I jotted down in our notes, was like when they first meet on that train and um you know, he he doesn't know the Oh My Darling Clementine song at all. He doesn't mm-hmm. remember his favorite stuffed animal from when he was a kid. He doesn't remember Huckleberry Hound at all. And like, um,
1: yeah, so right.
2: that's I think, you know, earlier memories can be distorted and connected like based on new events, right? So like mm-hmm. now I meet this woman named Clementine and now she's attached to this earlier memory. And when I bring up the memory of Oh My Darling Clementine or Huckleberry Hound, she's connected to it. Mm -hmm. And they're all kind of infused together. And the only way Mm -hmm. to get rid of her is to also get rid of that memory. Um, And I thought that was really, really insightful.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Hey, uh, before we continue talking about it, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Hey, listener. Thanks for sticking around this episode. I hope you're enjoying it. Anyway, I need your help in growing this podcast's audience. In past episodes, I've asked you to share this podcast with five of your friends. Let's keep doing that. Share this podcast on social media, especially if you really liked an episode. Share that episode. Tell five of your friends or family if they have an interest in film or psychology, or even better, both. Growing the audience is our goal for the second year of programming, and so we need your help to get that done. Other ways to contribute to the podcast include tips to our PayPal found on our website, becoming a patron at patreon.com slash cinemapsychpod, rocking some sweet merch from our spreadshirt shop, and or leaving us a rating or review on your favorite podcast service. Now back to the show. Okay, uh, Jordan, uh, you had some additional thoughts. Go ahead.
2: There are a couple things that I think he did that I think were really insightful about memory that like whether he meant to do it or not. So I'm really I really think the peak end effect is really interesting, like this idea that mm-hmm. when an, um, an event is over, your feeling about that event is more influenced by how you felt at the peaks and at the mm-hmm. end. So right. at, at the best, at the worst, and right at the end. And that's like mm-hmm. one of the examples I use when I teach about this is relationships because your relationship can be awesome like 95% of the time you're together. And the high peaks can be pretty good, but the low peaks can be pretty bad. And like usually the end of a relationship is pretty bad. It's usually not like, oh, okay, well, this is run at score. So, yeah, you know, see you, have fun. Um,
1: <laughs> we'll be best friends. Right.
2: Um, I will never unfriend you on Facebook.
1: You're right,
2: or or whatever. It's just like mutual agreement that it's over. It's it's usually pretty bad, and like yeah, I th- I think the movie did a really good job of like there are so many details in the middle that we don't get because that's mm-hmm. just not what's rem- It's like there are so many questions you could ask, like why did Joel put the sauce on his neck and pretend to be dead? Like why did, were they putting pillows over each other's faces? It's like dark stuff, but it's also um just little random things like. Um, I had a whole list of them that were like, okay, we don't know any more about that. We don't know any more about that because it's not, it's not part of the stuff that we were, when we're standing at the end of an event and we're thinking about the event that factor into our decision-making about like whether it was good or bad. Yeah. Um, And I, and I think that there were things that like the, the, the dinner in the Chinese restaurant that was, that's pretty terrible that like, the way she snapped at him like in public, like that's got to be a pretty low event. Yeah. So it's honed in on that or like the argument about being, not being ready for kids or like all of this stuff. It's like, it just got the general, it was this general feeling of just being like pretty, pretty bad. Um, And as he goes back through his memories, he's like, he can think of instances where things were pretty good. Mm -hmm. So like the higher peaks, right?
1: Yeah. Like the scene where um, he tries to get, clementine to hide in an in an earlier memory um but that that too gets that too gets uh erased right so (laughs) joel is essentially and maybe even clementine as well we don't know what her perspective is but um he's just erasing all aspects of his life because he's trying to hold on He's subconsciously trying to hold on to to her and um, trying to hide her in in various places, and then um, he gets they 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 too have to get deleted, which is so weird. Um, but yeah, you, and and it makes a good narrative, right? As far as like from a filmmaking perspective, uh, we have these high highs and these low lows um, to tell the viewer like. Is it a good relationship? No, oh, it's a great relationship. But is it a good relationship? Uh, it's a, it's, a, it's an all right relationship. By the time you're done with it, you're like, it was good enough to where maybe I think that Clementine and Joel should be so, uh, are, or could be or are soulmates. Ew. I know.
2: Like, <laughs> <laughs> I need some hand sanitizer. <laughs>
1: For your ears. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, those are the other, uh, those are the other videos on YouTube about the movie.
2: (laughs) Oh, I know there were, when I Googled this, there were all of these, like Joel Joan Clementine end up together. And I'm like, I'm not going to click on it. I'm not going to click on it. And you did. I totally clicked on it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's part of the ambiguity is like that's Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I think you
1: should leave that. I think, uh, if you haven't seen, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, dear listener, uh i I think um I think you should leave that alone. I don't think Charlie Kaufman wants you to know whether or not they end up together no
2: yeah no of course not and I don't there's a I've always really enjoyed movies that don't like give you all the information they it's like there's this and it this kind of like taps into like non-memory psych related things but it it sort of taps into like this these two competing, feelings i have and one of them is like need for closure but then the other one is like need for closure Mm -hmm. if i go by a a picture that's tilted in my house i'm like just gotta fix this or like the world's Mm -hmm. gonna fall apart but then um just like need for cognition being Mm -hmm. trying to be mentally stimulated in some way so leaving a movie and just being like oh my gosh like what happened i wonder if they did this i wonder if they did that i wonder if they were stuck in a loop i wonder if it's like um Oh, and this was the other thing. I kind of, part of me kind of wondered if they picked Valentine's Day because of the movie Groundhog Day. And so I did go down a rabbit hole like looking for, because wasn't that in like, that's February 2nd. So I guess it's not the same thing, but.
1: um. I mean, I mean, same month, but like Charlie, the Charlie Kaufman and the other writers Mm -hmm. choosing um, that for the story. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I I hadn't thought about that. um, Choosing uh, Valentine's Day. I mean, yeah, I think overtly it's it's love day.
2: <laughs> I know, uh, I and that's I,
1: po- possibly why. But I was yeah, putting no, off. Interesting. Yeah,
2: I was putting off like writing, and just went down every possible rabbit hole I could. Of like, I wonder. If, nice. I wonder if this was intentional. I wonder. Those if, the,
1: yeah, those are the best rabbit holes. <laughs> but even
2: like. This is where I'm saying, like, when you watch a film and you try to figure out what the intention was behind something, I'm pretty sure that 90 percent of what I noticed might not have been the intention of of what the screenwriters were. But it's like it's part of like my pattern seeking of all of our pattern seeking of like, what okay was this planned? Does it fit into my pre existing I don't know structure of this video world?
1: Yeah, I dig that. I do that too. I spent I I don't do it as much as as much anymore, but I used to go to um IMDb after I watched a movie and just went through all the goofs and um trivia to get more insight. And then if it was really a head, a head scratcher, I would go to like Wikipedia uh and uh go down rabbit holes um on like Reddit or whatever. Yeah. Okay, i do the same
2: so this is this is really terrible but you know how i'm telling you like i can't handle watching movies that are like uncertain make me anxious whatever there have been and i used to love horror movies like i went mm-hmm. to see blair witch project in the theater it was like for me it was revolutionary i thought it was amazing <laughs> um but oh
1: young jordan
2: i know i'm so old um so cute i thought it really was a good i know we're not talking about that movie but like I I thought it was good. Um What was I saying? Oh my gosh. Okay, so when there are movies that um that are like horror movie, the few times I've tried to watch horror movies, they've creeped me out so much. I've closed them down and I've gone to Wikipedia and just like read the rest the
1: of the the remaining movie. part of the plot. Yes. Yeah. Um Astrid, my wife, has to um keep her feet off the floor if we're watching a scary movie.
2: Yeah. That's random. Even if it has yeah. nothing
1: to do with like the being floor. on the floor. But it was it's just like feet off the floor because, I you don't know, the girl from the ring is going to crawl <laughs> to her.
2: Okay, I thought the ring was really stupid.
1: I mean, yeah, it was. It was.
2: <laughs> the human centipede, though. I had to shut that one down and read about it.
1: No. Mm-mm. Okay. That's not even I wouldn't even consider that a horror movie. That's just human gore. Gross. It's not a horror movie. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like a horror movie to me. It's just like some creepy yeah. dude who's like, um let's do ass to mouth. <laughs> but like not not in a sexual <laughs> way. <laughs> I've broken, I've broken Jordan.
2: Oh my God. Quote of the year. Uh,
1: before we, before we, uh, before we close out this, uh, this chat about the film, um, I did want to bring up Mary and Howard uh, because I think you had a couple of good things and a couple of good notes that uh, I never got around to writing. So you wrote for me. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, so, I accept payment
2: uh, at my home address.
1: Sure. Uh <laughs> we know we find out at the end of the film that Mary has um feelings for Howard. Uh well we find out in the middle of the movie that that uh um Mary trips over her words and she calls Alexander Pope, Pope Alexander, blah blah blah, right? Do
0: you like quotes, Howard? What do you mean? Oh, you know, like famous quotes. I find reading them inspirational, and in my reading, I've come across some I thought you might like too. Oh well, I, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear some. There's one that goes, "Blessed are the forgetful, for they get the better even of their blunders." That's Nietzsche, right? Yeah, and here I thought I could tell you something you didn't know. Oh no, it's 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 a it's a good quote. I'm happy we both know it. Yeah. Oh, and there's this other one I like. It's by Pope Alexander, and it goes. Alexander Pope. Yeah. Yeah shit. (laughs) It's just that I told myself not to say Pope Alexander and sound like a dope, and then I go ahead and say it's, it's no big deal. You're such a sweetheart. The quote goes, How happy is the blameless vessel's lot. The world forgetting by the world forgot. Eternal sunshine of a spotless mind. Each prayer accepted and each wish
1: resigning. I want to be a great, big, oh, huge elephant. With it's a huge so trunk tr- like that.
0: one? One. One time. I haven't heard that one. It's lovely. I just thought it would be appropriate, maybe. I really admire the work you do, Howard. I don't mean to be so familiar. Oh, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I I I I I'm happy to eat. <sighs> I'm sorry. <sighs> I've loved you for a very long time. I shouldn't have said that. Oh,
1: Mary, no. It's 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 you're a. And she tries to kiss wife. him, and he's like, No, I have a wife and kids. No, okay, man. All right. Wife, whatever your your false righteousness is a very apparent uh, but then we find out later that she went through the procedure because um they had an affair Howard's wife um I I guess accept, accepted his apology or something like that um but he doesn't go through the procedure he knows it. What's the deal with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I put that I put that in my notes of like, you know, Joel and Clementine both had their memories erased. Um, why would Howard keep his memories and Mary didn't? And I mean, I don't think it's because he didn't want it to happen again, because it's like, why does she still work there? Mm-hmm. Why is he still nice to her? Like, obviously, he like, you know, made out with her, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, honestly, I kind of think it's because he doesn't care, right?
1: Like, yeah, it's it's a creep move.
2: Totally, it's it's not Mary. Like any Mary could be anybody. Um, Yeah. It you know he I think he probably knows like yeah I don't know what I'm trying to say but
1: it's a it's certainly a power move. As one, her boss, and two, as the older man in the affair relationship, right? Yeah. It's a superpower move. Yeah. um, And the fact that he erases her memories, but then she keeps her job. And of course, he's the one who allows her to remain on the job. Right. Right? Because he could easily fire her after erasing her memories. Or
2: talk to her and just be like, look. You know, this isn't really going to work unless you are working somewhere else. But I just don't I just don't get the impression it was because, you know, he wanted to keep it from happening again or. um, I mean, that's one reason to be like, okay, I need to make sure I don't do this again. So I need to keep my wits about me and like remember. Or maybe I mean, maybe if he erased her, he also would have had to erase his I don't know this is kind of, this is another rabbit hole I got into was like if he had to wa- erase her would he also have to erase his wife because mm. um or like the parts of his job that were important because she was in the office so much of like would that stuff still be intact but then um Joel was living with somebody when he met Clementine
0: mm-hmm. and
2: he still remembered Naomi um so Naomi wasn't so that he didn't tie in Clementine with Naomi he wasn't like oh okay Naomi ended because because of Clementine, like he didn't associate those two. And that's why Naomi was still there when he like went and he's talking about her so he like looked in through the windows of that beach house. Yeah. Which was the beach house he was in when he left because when he ran away because he was scared to stay with Clementine. I don't know. I'm like keep finding things.
1: Yeah, no, I think there's like so much to find, and that was some of the other videos that I found too. Is that like I'm gonna point out this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. I didn't have time to watch that stuff, uh. But to your point about, to your point about Mary and Howard and the the, like, would Howard have had to to erase it in the movie? And and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but when the when when Howard is explaining the procedure to Joel, he's explaining how like we need all of these objects to find the memory and then we have to get rid of them. Uh, so, and then, and then um at the beginning of the film, um when he's at um his friend's house and he finds the card and it says, you know, Clementine has erased Joel. Don't mention her to him or something like that. And that, that starts erasing. And that's when you, get the first uh uh indication that we're inside his memories but it seems to me that um howard set in motion events that he knew were going to happen again because he cannot fully if he's not going to to remove mary from the situation he's not going to be able to fully remove those memories because she's just going to be there again she has to know who he is if she's going to work for him so she's he's not actually going to get rid of the precursors to her finding him attractive and and fa- falling in love with him according to the you know the writing of the character she's never going to actually get rid of that none of that is going to get erased the only thing that was erased was the 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 affair itself ooh but who cares because it's going to happen again because she, she, she still loves him. Yeah. Right. She still, those, those cannot be re- removed if she's still going to work there. If, she, if he wanted to completely get rid of the whole situation, which I guess would kind of explain his wife's ire at the end when she drives by and, and sees them together. Um, if he wanted to remove the 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 whole thing and start afresh with his family and make amends for what he did, then he'd have to remove everything about him and send her packing. Yeah. Oof. So he did that to himself. Probably knowingly. What a creep. Yeah.
2: I'm anti-Howard.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: I'm pro Stan, though. Frankenstein? Just Stan.
1: Oh, okay. Fine.
2: So, okay. So, question for you because this is one thing that's like really, really bothering me because I can't even like form like a really good hypothesis. Why does everybody except Joel have like a weird last name?
1: I saw this in the notes.
2: Like Clementine, uh, like Clementine Krasinski. It's Howard Weersnack or whatever. Yeah, Mary Weers- Svevo. yeah, Stan also has like a relatively normal last name, but I don't know that that really matters that much. Like I don't think we know Stan or Patrick's last name.
1: I know lots of people from Polish descent uh, out in uh, Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Like I have that no answer for you.
2: It's like, but but it's it's a
1: lot of Polish. There's a lot of Polish there.
2: I think so. This is what I think. I think it's because Joel bearish, right? It's got, it's like easy to say. It's got an A. It's got an I. But it's like the other last names. It's like there are little pieces of it missing, right? Like there aren't that many vowels or I don't know. I don't know if I'm thinking about this too hard, but it just occurred to me. I think you might be. All right. Well. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um I I might be wrong about this, but a a storytelling tactic is to um give the protagonist an easy name to say and to remember. And then other people I don't know, random.
2: I mean, it's just something that I think occurred to me when I first watched this movie and and never I never really had a feeling like it was resolved.
1: People's last names.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. I I don't I don't I honestly don't have an answer for you. I think you're gonna be I think you're gonna be stuck with this one for the rest of your life.
0: Oh,
2: <sighs> all right. I'll just let it you're, fester. You're
1: what gonna the- be on your deathbed. And you're gonna be. Uh, so Clementine did anybody figure that out for me yet?
2: Yeah, I well, and part of me is like, I think the sound is kind of interesting because it's like Joel Bearish, but then Clementine, Rockville Center, Montauk, like all of these words that are like just the sound of them is very spiky, and I I think sounds have a can set a mood.
1: Oh yeah, for sure, sure. Uh, but I don't know. It, I think they say Joel Barish quite a bit, but they don't say Clementine's last name very often.
2: Yeah, just a couple times.
1: Yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's anything to that.
2: But Mary's last name for sure gets brought up, and Howard's last name. Um, I mean, even, yeah, because like he at,
1: gets referred to as Doctor, right? Last name, yeah.
2: But even at the end, so so Mary, you see her name as Mary Savo and the tape, she says she's Mary Svavo Stan, when he's saying goodbye to her says, I like you Mary favo or something like that. So it's like it keep that keeps getting mentioned. And like, um, I think that was when I started thinking like, okay, I wonder if there's something to this last name because, um, just why, why would we need to be reminded of Mary's last name that many times?
1: That I, I that's an interesting point. Uh, that, that had never registered that they said her name so often i guess names like that to me when set in non fantastical settings like you know fantasy or sci-fi um don't register because they just seem normal i guess mm-hmm. they just seem just mundane so i i unless you're like specifically pointed by the um director or screenwriter like this name is important. (laughs) So I guess maybe I missed that for Mary.
2: I hope you guys are taking notes on this slide.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's
2: gonna be on the exam. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. This is gonna come up later in about 45 minutes. I want to thank uh, Jordan Waggy for joining me to discuss eternal sunshine of the spotless mind while saying goodbye, Jordan. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Where can f- folks find out uh, more about your work?
2: Um, really? I've got like a super weird name, just like Mary Svavo. So if you just Google it, you'll probably <laughs> find like stuff about me. Don't read the rate my professors though. Cause that's actually mine's not that bad. Um, <laughs> I think like the bad ones are buried by now. But um sure. Uh you can follow me on Twitter at Joe wags. and I've got a website at Jordanwaggy.com, but that's really just like the default like professional. This is my lab, this is my whatever. I think Twitter is like um Twitter's where I keep all my hot takes and pancakes.
1: Yeah, I can confirm. Um they are delicious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which ones? The hot takes or the pancakes? Both. Oh, nice. Thank I you. was waiting
1: for you to ask. Yeah. I had that I had the both chambered and ready to go.
2: <laughs> D, none of the above. <laughs> uh
1: well, this was actually uh very fun. Uh and I hope you had fun too.
2: Are you talking to me? Or are you talking to your little Yeah, listener?
1: I'm okay, I'm sorry. I'm talking to you.
2: Yeah, no, I I did like this is I definitely like would do this again. Okay. Um, okay. I, I okay. kind of I will write pref- that down. I prefer Jim Carrey's other works like Dumb and Dumber.
1: It's not going to be on this program for a while.
2: (laughs) This is such a good movie. Whenever anything goes wrong in my life, I'm like, we got no jobs. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I had fun.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Uh, And that's going to do it for this episode. Until the next one. Thanks for listening.